Lord Jesus, you are worthy of it all. We give you all praise, honor, and glory in this place. Lord Jesus, be magnified. Let no flesh glory in your presence, but let you be exalted in our midst. In our preaching, in our worship, in our fellowship, God, let people be saturated this morning with your truth and your love and your grace and your power. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. 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 You may have a seat. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Great to see everyone this morning. Thankful that you've chosen to come and worship at Calvary Chapel Irmo. Very thankful for our worship team and Tim and, and all these guys and just for the ministry that's taking place at Calvary Chapel Irmo. If you would, turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. You know, does, I, I know everybody here has a, uh, do you have, you have a favorite life verse? Everybody have their favorite life verse? My favorite, like my, my life verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. And it says, for nothing can be done against the truth, but only for the truth. The truth is invincible. The definition of the word truth is, is that which conforms to reality. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, I am reality. I am the truth. When Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. He's saying his word is reality. His word is true. So let's look at Matthew chapter 15. We're studying verses, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 20 this morning. Let's, let's take a look and see what the word, what the scripture says. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? But they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his mother or father or mother, excuse me. Then you have made the commandments of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Father, thank you for your word as we look at it this morning, as we study it. Father, um, open our hearts, Lord. Let us follow the truth and not tradition. Let us follow your word, your word, your inspired word, God's word, and not man's word. In Jesus' awesome name I pray, amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning from Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, is Truth Versus Tradition. We have a good old-fashioned, okay corral, western showdown this morning in our text. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, between Jesus and, and the Pharisees, between the truth of God's word and the traditions of men. In the first two verses, they're going to ask a question. See if you pick up on this. They're going to ask a question in the first two verses, in verses 1 through 2. Jesus is not going to answer their question till we get to verse 20. Because after they ask their question, he's going to go, he, he's going to take them to school, I call it. 
And then finally at verse 20, he's going to give them a simple answer to the question. And we'll, we'll look at that. So looking at tradition versus truth, the first question we have to ask is what is tradition? What is tradition? Traditions are customs and belief, beliefs passed down from one generation to the next by word of mouth or in writing. Basically, traditions are man's ideas, man's thoughts, man's religion, and man's philosophy, okay? Truth, on the other hand, what is truth? What did Jesus say in John 17, 17? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The definition, Merriam's dictionary says, truth is that which conforms to reality, okay? Tradition, on the other hand, tradition cannot change the human heart. It focuses on the externals. There's no heart change. Tradition does not hold people accountable or confront their sin. And under tradition, there's no command to be born again. But under truth, the truth of God's word, the, the, the truth of God's word and the Holy Spirit bring a change to our life. They bring a new life through being born again. You know, being a pastor, I have a lot of spiritual conversations throughout the week, not just on Sundays, but I talk with people almost every single day about spiritual conversations. A lot of people will ask me questions about what their relationship with God is like and, and what is a, a, a being born again look like and i will ask the people just outright just a very simple straightforward question have you been born again have you been born again you know some common responses that people had told me sitting across the table well i was baptized when i was five years old and and i went to confirmation classes there's nothing wrong with those things but that's that's they stop right there you know, some people I'll ask, you know, um, have you been born again? And they'll say, well, I'm a member of, you fill in the blank Baptist church, or you fill in the blank Methodist church, or you fill in the blank Pentecostal church. And why all those things are good, there's nothing wrong with traditions and those things. There, there's nothing wrong with those, as long as it does not conflict with the Bible. The big question is, are you trusting in Christ for your salvation? Have you been born again? That's what brings you into a right relationship with Christ. Again, there's nothing wrong with tradition as long as it doesn't contradict or go against the word of God. But we got to remember we are following Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we come into that experience, we come into the truth by being born again and loving him and following him. So this morning we're looking at the showdown between truth and tradition. Let's take a look at it. Uh, verse by verse style, chapter, Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat the bread. Now the first question, if, you don't, if, you, if you're not familiar with this, is what are the tradition of the elders? The tradition of the elders, they were the writings of the rabbis during the intertestamental period. They were called the Mishnah and the Talmud. And these writings that they wrote, they were kind of like commentaries, but they went way beyond what the Scripture said. And the Pharisees even elevated these writings, the traditions of the elders, they, they elevated them to above the authority of God's Word. And that's where they went wrong. 
They set aside the word of God and they started following the, the Mishnah and the traditions of the elders. And their accusation is, they're saying, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, you, I, I know you're going to be tempted to look down at verse 20. And if you do, I'll, I'll forgive you and I'll, I'll, I'll let it go this time. But Jesus is not going to answer this specific question of verse 2 till we get down to verse 20. He's going to immediately... Um, immediately turn it on them but what they say for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread their charge against jesus was this he was not teaching his disciples to wash their hands before they eat the problem with this charge is it was not found in the old testament the only requirement for hand washing was for the priest and the levites when they made a sacrifice it was written in the tradition of the elders but it was not written in god's word Okay, so Jesus is going to confront them on the error of following the traditions of men versus the word of God. And then in verse 20, if you haven't already looked, he's going to answer the question. So let's look at verse 3. He answered and said to them, he turns it on them, man. This is sharp. This is like a rebuke. It's like, okay, you want to talk about scripture? You want to talk about the word of God? You want to talk about tradition? You want to talk about truth? Jesus is like, okay, let's go. He's, he's ready. He's ready for a showdown. Look at verse 3. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God? Because of your tradition. Here Jesus is drawing a sharp line. He's drawing a sharp line between God's word and man's word. You see, all the writings outside of the Bible are man's words and man's thoughts. But not the Bible. Okay? This is foundation, foundational to your understanding of your relationship with God and the authority of Scripture. And it's, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now looking at that verse, look at the first two words. Some of scripture? Is that what it says? It says all scripture. All scripture. That means from Genesis to Revelation, it is God's inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect word. And then I chose the NIV translation. The NIV translates this better than the NASB or the New King James. Those say inspired by God. The NIV actually more correctly uh, interprets the, the phrases that are used but it says is God breathed. The Greek is theonostos. It means literally breathed out of the mouth of God. Now, we know that the disciples and the apostles and the prophets, they penned the scriptures, but they were inspired and led by the Holy Spirit and they were commissioned by God himself. So when you read the pages of scripture, it is God speaking to you the final authority. He sealed it for us in this beautiful book called the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. It's this amazing book. God's word contains everything that you need to know about theology, about life, about why you're here. It teaches you everything you need to know about having a relationship with him. It's precise. It's accurate. It gives us freedom. It gives us liberty. It doesn't put us under a bondage or or under yoke, 
but it gives us the joy of having this living, intimate relationship with God. 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 783,187 words for you and I to spend a lifetime reading and studying and loving his word. You have it. You have treasure, man. Ladies, you have gold in this book. You have God's holy word. All of it is given so you can know him and know the truth. It is his beautiful and precious truth given to us. That's what we have with the word of God. Why do we need traditions of men? You know what? Uh, opinions are like every, everybody, you know, you know everybody's every, traditions are like arms. Everybody has arms. <laughs> you know, we got the word, man. You got the word. You don't have to go to a priest or, or a pastor or anybody. You can hear from God in your home just by reading your Bible. Go out to your car during lunch and crack open the Bible and let God speak to you. His holy word is pure and perfect. Now, the, now let's get into the error here. Uh, he's going to point it out. L- look in your, I don't have them on the same slide, but looking at verses 4 and 5 in your Bible, if you have a New King James, notice verse 4 starts off with three words. For God commanded. Now skip to the next slide, verse 5. But you say. Do you see the first three words in each verse? The, you see the comparison contrast between God's word and tradition, between truth, between truth and tradition, God's word and man's word? So verse 4, he's established, this is what God says in his word. Verse 4. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. So here Jesus is quoting the fifth of the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment is what? Honor your mother and father. Respect your mother and father that all may go well in your life. God takes serious how we treat mom and dad and our parents. He's, he's provided a, put a thing in place for them to be taken care of. We are commanded to honor, to help, and to provide for our parents, especially as they get older. And this is where the Pharisees, they didn't like that part. They didn't like the part as they get older because look at verse 5 verse 5 he says so that's what God's word said verse 5 this is what your tradition says but you say whoever says to his father or mother whatever profit you might have received from me here it is here's the key phrase whatever you would have received it is a what a gift to God then by saying whatever you had is a gift to God and said to them then Verse 6, then he need not honor his mother, his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your trans, 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 tradition. Excuse me. The rabbis, what they were trying to do here in this text is they are trying to find a loophole in this command to honor your mother and father in their latter years. So what they devised and wrote was if you, here it is, guys, if you made a vow dedicating all your wealth, to the Lord, then you did not have to observe the fifth commandment. You did not have to help your parents in their latter years. At the very end of verse 5, he says, is a gift to God, then you need not honor. 
So they were, they were making this excuse. If you take all your wealth and say, well, I've dedicated it all to God, I can't help y'all. God's like, no, that ain't how it works. My commandment is my commandments. My laws are my laws. You have to take care of mom and dad. You got to provide for them within reason, within means to take care of their well-being. They twisted. They, the traditions of men, excuse me, the tradition of the elders, tradition of men, uh, they were twisting the word of God to their own advantage so that they could be lazy and not responsible toward their parents' well-being. And Jesus is correcting this. And look at verse 7. Because they twist God's word, look at verse 7. What does he say? What does Jesus say? You hypocrites. And then he, says, he brings Isaiah the prophet as a witness, wrote 700 years before Christ. Well, did Isaiah, Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, our heart, your heart, my heart, is close to God when we obey his word. When we say, Lord Jesus, you've been so good. You've been so good to me. You've saved me and you've rescued me and you've given me this new heart. The only thing in your heart you can say is, man, I love God and I want to obey God and I want to obey his commandments. You know, they're hypocrites because they profess faith in God, but their actions say otherwise. There are many in this camp today They sing his praises on Sunday morning. They pray to him every night, but they dishonor him by the way they live. And what we need to understand, family, is drawing near to God is following his word, the the theonostos, the breathed-out word of God, to saying, Lord, I love you so much. I want to live my life in obedience to your word. Drawing near to God is you and I conforming our will to his will. That's powerful. And a lot of people don't, don't, don't reach it. They don't attain it. You know, our will, the human will, is so powerful and so strong in and of ourselves and our own minds. But one of the works of the Holy Spirit is he breaks down our will. He gives us a servant's heart. And we come to that point in life where we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Drawing near to God is when our lips and our heart and and our actions follow his word. Man, if you get all three of those in alignment, man, you're, you're on it. You're on it. Man, you're growing. You are being sanctified. You are being set apart. You are growing exponentially in your Christian faith when your lips, your heart, your mind, and your actions all come together in serving Christ. It's a beautiful picture of a life dedicated to the Lord. And you know what? That life is not just for the pastor. It's not just for the the popular Christian leaders, Billy Graham, Johnny Erickson Tata, and all these other people. That type of dedicated life is for all believers. It's for all Christians. You say, how do I get there, Pastor David? Just look at the cross. Focus your heart and your mind where Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for our sins. He gave his life for you and me in his divine love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When that truth gets a hold of your heart, 
that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that I am truly forgiven, it will just melt your heart. It will melt your will. It will melt your iron fist and, and just your angst against the things of the Lord and your heart will just melt because you think, man, God is so good. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. But the opposite of that is what's going on here and they're hypocrites because it's not all lining up. And look at verse nine. As I was reading, verse, studying verse nine this week, I was just thinking about church service. I was thinking about the gathering of believers. And I was also thinking about our devotional life in reading the word. But look at verse nine. He says, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So, that verse, vain worship takes place on Sunday mornings when the Bible is not opened and the scripture is not expounded on. It's replaced with entertainment, crafty messages, emotional messages, messages that focus on felt needs. And while I know we all have needs and we all need to minister to each other and help each other out in our areas of life, but when we come together for worship, man, we gotta study the word. We gotta study the word. My job as a pastor, Jesus said, uh, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, grow in the word. My, my passion and my heart in teaching Calvary Chapel Irma is that you are built up in your faith and that you go out and that you love Jesus with all your heart and that you win people to Christ and that you live lives for him. That's, that's my heart and God has laid out the blueprint and which is we got to um, preach the word. There's a time to address needs within the body. There's a time to help people out when they're going through a difficult situation. And there's, there's times for all that. But when it comes to worship, man, we got to get into the word. We got to get into the word and let the word get into us. That is the only thing that will keep us. And as long as I'm the pastor here, uh, this is my heart and soul in ministry. As, as exposition of scripture. I want to minister to people and I want to meet with people and I want to counsel people and I want to help people and, and do everything I can to minister to people. But man, my greatest joy, my greatest passion is Monday through Friday just taking this book and just tearing it apart verse by verse and pulling all the nuggets of truth out and then just present it to the body and let y'all feast on it also. Listen to what uh, Paul told Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And you remember, the pastoral epistles, God has given us three New Testament books that address ministry and that address the ministry of the, of the leadership in the church. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Look at what he says here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Talking to the young Timothy pastor, he's, Paul says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, what does he say? Preach the word. Be ready, in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. So in that one encapsulation of that one text, that Paul wrote Timothy, this is the inspired word of God, 
that is handed down for the past 2,000 years to pastors and church leaders, the first thing he says there is preach the word. I am so thankful for the Bible. I'm so thankful that I don't have to go out and get, find these sermon books <laughs> and, and all these ideas, sermon ideas. I've never had to work, work with that. I just go to where I left off on the previous Sunday, and I, I, I take about 10 to 15 verses at a time, and I turn it into a sermon. So it's more than just a Bible study. We want to study the meaning of the text, but we also want to bring application. One of my favorite Bible teachers, Steve Lawson, in, in, sitting in front of my computer, I got my Mac computer, I got my Bible, I got my notes, and I got this little sheet right here. And it's the outline, uh, Steve Lawson's outline, how to prepare a sermon. He's a great preacher, by the way, if you haven't heard him. But anyway, I follow Steve's, I follow Steve Lawson's outline. He says this, he says, read it, explain it, apply it. Read it, explain it, apply it. You got to have all three of those. You got to read it, you got to explain it. You know, we, I, have to, I have to engage your mind so you understand what's going on in the context of the passage, okay? So I do need to take your minds back 2,000 years to what was taking place there. But after we explain it, it's, it's not just enough to have this information from 2,000 years ago. Then we've got to apply it. We've got to bring it forward 2,000 years later to how we apply it to our lives. So that's the command. And he says in verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There will come a time where people will say, I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't like the Bible. And they'll, they'll, they'll turn away from it. And then verse 4, they will turn their ears away from, notice that phrase, it just grabs me, the truth. You know, we talk about truth versus tradition. And Jesus says things about truth. My word is truth. This is our sure foundation. This is our sure anchor in, in your relationship with Christ, in my relationship with Christ, it is the foundation for your life, the truth of God's word and not traditions. Again, nothing wrong with traditions. Traditions can be good. Can, traditions can be beautiful as long as they don't contradict the word of God or they're elevated above the word of God. Um, a church or the believer application that is serious about their spiritual growth will always focus on God's word. Really, I mean, who cares about man's opinion? In traditions. We know what those are like. Verse 10. Verse 10, he says, And when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not, this is, this is kind of funny. Um, no, no, it's, it's a few verses later. I'm sorry. Verse 10. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. So the, the Pharisees had turned the multitudes away from pure devotion to God. They had turned religion, true religion, into appearance, into ceremony, into food. And Jesus is correcting this. And I, I just got to throw this story in there real quick, just a little side note. This is one of the first Bible verses I ever heard growing up as a kid. My... Um, my great-grandmother, she dipped tobacco, okay? She dipped tobacco, and she dipped tobacco everywhere she went. And she had a big old mason jar that she set there in the living room for everybody in the family to see. And she would... And that thing would fill up with that brown juice. And it was pretty disgusting. And my grandfather, old Pentecostal Christian, he would go in there... 
And he'd be like, Mama, you got to stop dipping that stuff. That's a sin against God. And she said, Jesus said, Jesus said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out. And he said, well, every time you spit, it comes out. <laughs> and he couldn't stand it. Anyway, this is a little side note. I, I just remember that, very, that verse from a very young kid and my grandfather telling my great-grandmother to stop, stop that stuff. But the, but the Pharisees had turned the multitudes away from pure devotion to God. They had made it about appearance, ceremony, and food. And Jesus is correcting this. Look at verses 12 and 13. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you, know what the Pharise- do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? They were offended because Jesus was bringing up God's word, and they didn't want the word. They wanted their tra- the tradition of the elders from verses 1 and 2. But he says in verse 13, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. The Pharisees were not grounded in the truth of God's word. And because of this, they would not last. And neither will you and I today. If we're not grounded in the truth of God's word, we will not last. We will burn out. Okay? That's why it's very important for every believer to have that quiet time, to have that devotional time, to spend time with the word of God. I'm not going to tell you how long or what part of the day, but Christian, you need to spend some part of the day in the Word. Morning, afternoon, evening, at lunchtime, you need to carve time out to read a couple of verses, to meditate on the passage. Let the Word of God get into you. Let it wash your minds. Some people say, man, you Christians, you're just all brainwashed. You know, I'd say, yeah, we are. We're washed with the Word of God. We're washed and renewed with God's word. Verse 14, he says, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Notice there in verse 14, that word is repeated over and over. I think it's four times. One, two, three, four. Four times in one verse, he uses this word blind. Blind means you can't see. Blind means you can't see. It's when someone is spiritually blind someone that is spiritually blind they do not see their need for forgiveness they see the bible as just a a religious book and not what it truly is the word of god me and my son are doing a study um on uh, rc sproul's the soul's quest for god and one of the beautiful things that rc brings out in his book do you know that that's a work of the holy spirit one of the works of the holy spirit as we read god's word the Holy Spirit confirms, convicts, it settles our hearts and minds that Scripture truly is the Word of God. Some people call it rhema, you know, talking about how you're studying the Word and the, 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 the words from the pages of Scripture. The Holy Spirit just illuminates it, brings it to life. It's like it leaps off the pages of Scripture and into your heart. That's a work that's a work of the Spirit. And that's a work that takes place when the blinders are removed and we can see clearly. That's the beauty of the work of the Holy Spirit and opening our hearts to the truth 
that the Bible truly is God's word. Verse 15. Verse 15 um, says, And then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. Now what parable is he talking about? Look back at verse 11. The parable he's talking about is verse 11. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. So he's explaining that verse 11. And in verse 16, so Jesus said, Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Here, here's the, the funny part. I was starting to laugh. Like I thought we were at this verse and we weren't. But verse 17, a little biology class here, a little information on uh, what happens in the human body. Verse 17, Jesus says, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Can you say from the plate to the toilet? Jesus said it, not me. Uh, but the Pharisees are blind. The, the Pharisees are blind. All they could see in their religion as Jesus is having this confrontation with them, all they could see was the outer man. All they could see was appearance. What do we look like on the outside? What are we eating? What are our ceremonies? Do you see it? You know, y'all study what legalism is, and we've heard the, you've heard it for years if you've been a Christian. Well, they're being pharisaical. And that word, that phrase, being pharisaical, is referring to someone who all they care about are the externals. And I'm here to tell you, God will change the outside of our life, but it doesn't start there. It starts on the inside. It starts, it starts in, the, in, the, uh, in the inner man. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. And if you have any doubt about this, write this verse down. I mean, he just nails, puts the nails in the coffin on this appearance of Christianity being about externals and rituals and food and ceremonies. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of this world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Here it is. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerns, which, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to, look at it. This is very related to our text. According to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed, they have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. And the reason they are of no value is because this, they can't change your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can. So, you're, are you struggling with sin? Are you wrestling in your life with a major struggle, with a fight with the flesh? Or, or maybe you're counseling someone who's struggling with sin. Okay? Our job is not to convince them because they already know the truth. Our job is to pray that the Holy Spirit changes their heart. Because when the Holy Spirit changes the heart, there ain't nothing you or I 
can say or do when it's his work. And that's what we all need. What we need, what you need, what I need is that revelation, that revelation of the truth of Scripture where you say, oh, he's right. I was wrong. And, and it changes our hearts, okay? It changes our hearts. That's what we need. That's what the gospel is all about. Is it about a change of heart? It's not about the externals. All the, the, way, the way we live and the way we appear, it'll change over time. But it's, most importantly, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Look at verse 18. He, he's, he's thinking about the heart, the spiritual side. Verses 18 through 19, Jesus is going to put his finger on our greatest need. Verses 18 and 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. What are the things that defile us? It's not not washing your hands or not being a part of a ceremony or not all the religious ceremonies. He says it in verse 19. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. Here Jesus puts his finger on man's greatest need, and that is this. What do we do with our sin? What do we do with our wicked hearts? What do we do with the corrupted man on the inside? You know, there's two parts of you. There's a physical side of you and a spiritual side of you. Inside the spiritual side of you is where this war is taking, on, is taking place between the spirit and the flesh, between the desires of the flesh and the things of the spirit. You know, um, evil thoughts. You know, you judge you, I'll judge me, and we'll leave it there. But think about the past 24 hours. Think about all the things that you've thought about over the past 24 hours. If every single thought that Pastor David has had in his mind over the past 24 hours was put up on this screen, you might run me off. And chances are, might run some of you off too. There's this war in the mind, is there not? Is there not? Is there not this fight? You know, we're, I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm talking to myself right now. I'm, just, I'm speaking from experience. One day I'm spiritual and I'm loving Jesus and I'm praising the Lord and I'm singing hallelujah and I'm going down the road jamming to my Christian music. And the next day, maybe the next morning, maybe the next hour, my mind's in the gutter. My mind's in the gutter. That is the fight that we all face. Don't let Satan condemn you, okay? Don't let Satan condemn you. Confess it as sin. Confess it to your heavenly Father. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Welcome to the fight club. Welcome to the war. These things that's listed in this text wage war against every single person here. The murder, wait a minute, I haven't murdered no one. Well, Jesus said, if you hate your brother without cause, you're guilty of murder. Oh, man, adultery, I hadn't cheated on my wife. But Jesus said, if you look with lustful thoughts, you commit adultery in your heart. Oh. Fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemy, evil thoughts, man. They, they war against us. 
They war against your soul. They war against our soul. And so Jesus is saying here in this text, don't focus on those externals. Focus on the war within and win that battle with the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Wash your mind. Wash your heart. That's what the gospel is all about. This is what Jesus came for. This is why you call yourself a Christian. Because Christianity and the Lord Jesus Christ, they answer that question, what do I do in my sin? I find forgiveness at the cross. Complete forgiveness. Past, present, and even future sin. That's what it was about from the very beginning. From Matthew to Revelation, it is the story of redemption. It is the story of God redeeming sinners like you and me. And it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. Don't fall into legalism. Fall into grace and let grace and let the power of the Holy Spirit lead you to victory in these areas of your life that you wrestle with. This is the power of the gospel. It does what tradition and religion cannot do. It deals with our sinful hearts. It is through the power of the cross and the regeneration work, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That is the heart of the gospel, and that is the heart of what Jesus is getting to in this text. So there you have it. Verses 1 through 2, a question. Uh, then verses 3 through 18, what is that, uh, 15 verses? Jesus schools them for 15 verses. Now look in your Bibles or look on the screen. Look at verse 20. He answers the question. Let's go back and look at verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Huh? Why? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now read verse 20. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now, kids, you can't use this against mom and dad when they tell you to go wash your hands before dinner. You still got to go wash your hands. You still got to take a bath. But that doesn't defile a person. That doesn't make someone ceremonial, unclean before God. Why? Because that's on the outside. That's a tradition of the elders. And God wants to, to change the heart. Again, let me repeat this. Let me repeat this, family. Uh, there's nothing wrong with traditions. I like traditions. There's some traditions I love in life. But as long as the traditions do not conflict with the Bible, Jesus is, makes it very clear in our study this morning that truth triumphs tradition. In closing, I've got a little chart I want to show you. Just, these are just Pastor David's random thoughts as I was closing out my teaching yesterday and just some, just my thoughts. Tradition versus the truth of God's word. Tradition focuses on outer appearance. We saw that in the text. We see that in the life of the Pharisees. They focused on outer appearance. The truth of God's word focuses on the new inward man. Remember that. That's very, very important when you think about truth versus tradition. God wants to change your heart, okay? And once your heart is changed, the life will follow in obedience. But a lot of times people get it the other way around. We try, we try to change people's behavior without changing the heart. 
and you're just not going to get very far. Secondly, tradition focuses on cathedrals and steeples, and there's nothing wrong with cathedrals and steeples. They're beautiful, but that's not the focus of God's word. The focus of God's word is fellowship and being together. So yeah, maybe one day we'll have a $10 million cathedral. I'm just kidding, just kidding. We're not about that at Calvary Chapel. But maybe, I'm, I'm not against this is what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with having a really nice building. Have a really nice building or meet in a shopping center. But most importantly, the, 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 the theme of scripture is us having fellowship and being together. It's more important for me and Ephraim to rub shoulders and have fellowship. How you doing, brother? He asked me how I'm doing. We talk and we encourage each other. We pray for each other than being in some big elaborate building. That's very important, being together in fellowship. You need what takes place in church, okay? The people need you, you need the people. There, there's a, there's a, a chemistry here. There's, a, there's a, a bonding here. There's an encouragement here. Just by walking in the door on, on Sunday morning and seeing Andy's smiling face, it lifts me up. Or seeing Maurice giving me that look, like, what's up, man? You know, it's, it's just those interactions with people. They lift us up and they encourage us. And I hope it does the same for you. Second, third thing, I got four total. Tradition focuses on, they, they ask the question, how was I raised? Tradition will ask that question, how was I raised? Or what do I, what do I think is right? The truth is, what does God say? AKA, what does the Bible teach? Fourthly, this is the most important this is the biggest one, I think, of them all when, you, when it comes to comparing tradition to truth is this. Tradition says, do good and God will be pleased. How many times have we heard that? Just, just do a good job and God will be pleased. That's not biblical at all. That's not biblical at all. The truth is, you and I cannot do good. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. You are corrupt. I am corrupt. And our only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ working in and through us in this life. Let's be rich in good works. Let's do beautiful and great things for our community, for our schools, for our neighbors. But let's do it through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ living in us. Amen? So, today, this Sunday, um, I, hope, I hope that you've taken from Calvary Chapel, Irmo, and, and the Bible exposition and the teaching is this. Lord, help me in my heart to follow the truth and not tradition. Nothing wrong with tradition, but help me to follow the truth of your word. Let your truth transform me. Let your truth change me. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus said, John 14, 6, y'all know it, I am the way, the truth, and then my life verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 8, for nothing can be done against the truth, but only for the truth. Let your life be grounded firmly in the truth. It will set you free. It will set you free from religion. It'll set you free from tradition. It'll set you free from uh, thinking theologically like men, but helping you to think theologically, biblically, from God's word. Lord, change our hearts and let us love the truth and let us follow the truth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for that now. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this study in Matthew chapter 15 where you confront the Pharisees 
And Lord, you, you confronted them over the tradition of the elders, over the tr- traditions of men. And Lord, the application for us today, Lord, is to follow your word. Just the clear, simple, easy to understand precepts of the Bible. Help us to love you, help us to follow you, and help us to live by this truth. For we love you and praise you. It's in the mighty and wonderful and victorious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.